Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash deathdyingpod. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is also brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at getbarkbox.com slash deathdyingpod. You're listening to the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Just a quick shout out to Daniel Smith for supporting the show on Patreon. It means a lot. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash death dying and other things. Any little bit helps. Now, on to the show. I've been on planes a lot this year. I think more than usual. It probably has something to do with moving across the country. To take trips that used to be just a car ride, I now need to deal with flying. It's not that I dislike flying specifically, but I really dislike everything surrounding it. Driving to the airport, getting through security, delays and canceled flights in those uncomfortable seats. And I hate leaving my dog. You know, although defying gravity in a hollowed-out mechanical bird isn't the most comforting concept, I'm not scared of flying, really. I'm pretty chill on an airplane. I usually use it as an opportunity to catch up on all the podcasts I'm behind on. But let's be honest here. Who doesn't have a little doubt about arriving at their destination when the turbulence starts up? This month, on Death, Dying, and Other Things, a story about a flight. In Airborne, a woman, terrified to fly, sees fears realized in an unexpected way. Death and Dying, the thresholds between this world and the next, the boundary between light and dark, the barrier between worlds, and that's where we're going. We are going into the shadows to bring you stories of horror and heartbreak. From the Modern Horrors Podcast Network, this is Death, Dying, and Other Things. I'm Justin Buskey. Stay with us. every muscle in her body. Common wisdom would tell you that doing something repeatedly would increase your tolerance for that thing, make you used to it. But since she took this new job traveling every other week, she still hated takeoff and landing the most. That's not to say that she liked the period of time in between takeoff and landing, while the plane was in the air. But the moments when the landing gear left or hit the ground were particularly terrifying. She hated any time the plane shook, too, and being able to see out the window, and the way the wings flexed, and the way the flight attendants acted so calm through the whole thing. 
She hated the noise, too. The loud noise of the engine. The creaking, like the plane was doing its best impression of an old home. And she hated the rattling of the drink cart as it hurtled down the aisle, pursued by a disinterested flight attendant. Rose expected that this would be how she'd go, as in how she'd leave this mortal coil. In the universe's infinite irony, it would kill her by way of her biggest fear. She'd played the scenario over in her head too many times. Too many times to be healthy, at least. The last doctor she saw told her that. Told her that it was okay to be scared of things, but the healthiest option was to work through those fears with a professional, and the first step was to stop dwelling on it so much. But she kept dwelling, though she did plan to start seeing someone, eventually, once her schedule calmed down. She constructed the scene in which she'd exit this life in her head, cobbled it together from a million sources, movies, articles about plane crashes, first-hand accounts from survivors, to make it the most terrifying it could be for her personally. It would start with some turbulence, of course, soft and manageable at first, but then rapidly growing in severity until things were thrown about in the cabin. The pilot would come over the PA and tell everyone that it was normal, but to please remain seated. She'd look around, and everyone else would be calm, but by now tears would be streaming down her face. She'd hyperventilate for as long as this went on. Minutes. Tens of minutes. Then the turbulence would abruptly stop. The pilot would turn off the fastened seatbelt sign, and Rose would get up to use the bathroom. Once she was in there, she'd clean up the tears and touch up her smeared makeup just in time for another round of violent turbulence. She'd be thrown against the wall, hard, hard enough to bruise her ribcage and split her head, and the blood would start flowing down her forehead. That's when she'd hear it. The engines. They'd sputter at first, trying to keep spinning, but within seconds they'd falter, clamoring to a halt. She'd puke from fear, then throw open the bathroom doors and try to get back to her seat, but the plane's constant lurching would throw her into others. Once she finally returned to her seat, the pilot would deliver the bad news. They no longer had engine power, and none of their other instruments were responding. Sorry to say, they would all die, he'd continue, but they had 30,000 feet to fall so they had plenty of time to think about it. Pure fantasy. Rose's hands clawed around both of her armrests, and she closed her eyes. The plane raced down the runway. A small gasp escaped from her lips as the plane heaved into the air, pressing her into her seat slightly and lifting the landing gear off the tarmac. She ground her teeth in response to the whine of the landing gear retracting into the guts of the plane. The plane made a sharp turn, but Rose's body was so strained she barely moved. The plane straightened out, began a much gentler ascent, and Rose finally released her grip on the armrests. She opened her eyes, 
and glanced at the woman in the seat next to her, who Rose noticed was staring at her. Not a fan of flying, she asked Rose. Rose laughed. It's okay, me either, she said. She held out her hand. Catherine. I'm Rose. Rose extended her hand to shake Catherine's. Catherine's hand was soft and her skin was cold. Not shockingly so. Not Catherine had just come in from a winter's day without gloves on. But below an average human body's temperature. Catherine smiled and slid her fingers out of Rose's grip. Where are you headed? Catherine asked. San Francisco, Rose said. You? Just this flight for me, Catherine said. Oh, I love Vegas, Rose said. My layover is super quick, but normally I like to play the airport slots a little while I wait. This time I'm probably going to have to run to my next gate. Catherine grunted, acknowledging Rose's predicament, and then asked, You go to San Francisco a lot? A lot, a lot, unfortunately. I take this flight once and fit another two or three quick trips every month. My job's got me going all over the place, Rose explained. Catherine nodded. That must be tough, hating to fly so much and having to do it so often. And such a long flight, too, Catherine said. Well, yeah. I hate to fly, but I like my job, so it could be worse, Rose said. I mean, I know in my head how safe it is to fly, but that doesn't matter much to the rest of my body when it's screaming at me to get off the plane. Catherine smiled, then said excuse me, and got up, leaving Rose alone in that small row of seats. Catherine was gone for a long time. Rose wasn't keeping track, but she was gone for long enough that Rose's mind was able to start drifting back to her current reality, stuck in a metal tube miles above the ground. Her heart started to pick back up, and her face flushed. Rose heard the rattling of the drink cart behind her, and then it whizzed past on its way to the front of the plane, pursued by that indifferent flight attendant. She watched it pass row after row of that nearly empty flight, only a few people in each row. She hated that. Empty flights. Being on a full flight helped ease some of her anxieties, not that she was sure why. If the plane she was on went down, it went down no matter who was on board. Rose watched each person, row by row, maybe 15 or so, take their pretzels and small cup of water or soda, and then watch the flight attendant force a smile and push the cart to the next row to repeat the process. Catherine returned to the seat next to Rose, just in time to turn down a drink. Rose was relieved to see her, and eager to start their conversation back up again, but instead of jumping back in where they left off, Catherine smiled to Rose, and then reclined her seat and closed her eyes. Just as the flight attendant was finishing the drink service, the plane started shaking. Rose's hands flew to her armrests, and her fingers dug in. She looked over to Catherine to see that Catherine's eyes were still closed, and that she may have already fallen asleep. The plane lurched violently downward, 
Rose gasped. The pilot's voice rang over the PA. All right, folks, it looks like we've hit just a particularly rough patch. We've heard reports of planes ahead of us that this will probably last about 15 minutes. Please remain in your seats until I turn the seatbelt sign off again. Rose slammed her eyes shut and let out a pathetic whimper. She felt her throat tighten. The air she was sucking in through her flared nostrils had a hard time getting into her lungs. Suddenly, she felt a cold hand on her arm, and she opened her eyes to see Catherine's gentle fingers pressing lightly on her forearm. Catherine's eyes were open now, too. She nodded to Rose, reassuring her. The turbulence lasted only a few minutes, far less than the 15 the pilot had estimated. Rose was thankful for that, and also thankful for her kind new friend, who playfully patted her arm once the pilot came over the PA and told them they were in the clear. Rose unbuckled her seatbelt and began rising from her seat. She smiled to Catherine and mouthed, Bathroom before slipping past her and walking down the aisle to the back of the plane. Unluckily for Rose, the bathroom was occupied. It was several minutes before a young man, perhaps still in his teens, pushed out of the small lavatory. He smiled sheepishly, perhaps unaware that anyone was waiting and now embarrassed that he took so long, and walked back to his seat. Inside the bathroom, Rose took a look at herself in the mirror. So tired. She always looked so tired when she traveled. Well, so tired when she had to take an airplane to travel. There were plenty of times she could just rent a car and drive to her destination. She liked those trips very much. She used the toilet and washed up, and then her mind wandered to her morbid fantasy. The one where, at this moment, the turbulence would start up again, and she'd be flung into the wall, and she'd bleed from her scalp down the front of her face in several perfect striations, like a movie. A woman's scream, from out in the cabin, yanked Rose from her daydream. A second scream reached her ears, and then a commotion. She checked the lock on the lavatory door to make sure it was latched, and then an urgent conversation, incomprehensible to Rose over the engines were, unfolded. Rose could only make out words like her and where and bathroom, but she wasn't left to guess for long who the conversation was about. Someone knocked on the door. Then the voice of the flight attendant that had just offered her drinks several minutes before shouted into the bathroom. Ma'am. Ma'am, are you all right in there? Yes, I'm fine, Rose said. If you wouldn't mind, we have a sort of situation out here, the flight attendant continued. Could you please come out? What kind of situation, Rose asked, double-checking the lock again. Well, 
It's something with the woman you are sitting next to, the flight attendant said. She seems to be ill. She's sick? Rose asked. Yes, the flight attendant said, and we could use your help. Rose opened the lavatory door. The flight attendant on the other side was pale. The color had drained entirely from her face. Rose breathed in, shocked by her appearance, and was shocked by something else. The putrid smell that now filled the cabin. Like ammonia lingering in a just-clean sink while caramel is boiling on the stove. The acrid and the sweet mixing together in some nightmare scent. It made Rose's head swim and then gave her a headache. The people close to Rose's row had gotten up from their seats and moved themselves to far sides of the plane. Those people fortunate enough to be further away from that row remained near their seats but stood up and craned their neck to get a good look at Catherine. Most people had a sleeve or a balled-up sweater held to their noses, presumably to block the smell, and Rose did the same, pulling the sleeve of her cardigan down over the palm of her hand and pressing her hand against her nose and mouth. It didn't block the smell entirely, but it did help a little. The flight attendant led Rose back down the aisle to her row, which seemed unnecessary. Rose remembered where her seat was, but as they approached Rose's row from the back, she could already see the trouble. Rose saw what looked like twenty or so black and green fingers wrapped around the back of Catherine's chair, digging in like Rose's fingers had during takeoff and would again when they landed. As they proceeded and reached the front of the row of seats, the row Rose had occupied with Catherine until just minutes prior, she found it, and Catherine herself, unrecognizable. Catherine's skin, at least the patches of skin that remained visible, was sallow, sagging, soft, robbed of nearly all of its moisture. Catherine's head was thrown back, and out of her mouth and nose was pouring a thick ooze, which was, once free from Catherine's body, slithering down and around and hardening into the thick tendrils Rose saw upon her approach. Even now, that green and brown goo was forming new shapes, piling up on Catherine's chest in miniature stalagmites, some six or seven inches high, and on top of those, the apparently conscious ooze built bulbs three inches in diameter. The result of this effort, in short order and in front of Rose's eyes, was her new friend Catherine cemented to her seat by hundreds of finger-width inflexible tendrils and with a forest of bald stalagmites across her chest. Rose noticed that Catherine's eyes were wide, darting here and there. They settled on roses and trembled. Simple, pleading eye contact that Rose recognized as the same look her dog gave her in the moments between being hit by a car and expiring on the side of the road when Rose was a ten-year-old girl. Oh my God were the only words that came to Rose's lips. 
Is anyone a doctor? The flight attendant shouted. Rose looked around to the twenty or so other passengers. No one raised their hands. A man in his mid-thirties spoke up from the back. You know, I'm a nurse, but I ain't ever seen anything like that. The majority of the people on the flight, Rose included, had pressed themselves into the front of the plane, which was the furthest they could get from Catherine. Behind the group, a flight attendant ducked out of the cockpit and closed the door swiftly behind her. There's about an hour left on the flight, everyone, she said. We just have to hold tight. The pilot does need everyone in a seat, though. We can't bunch up around the cockpit door. To hell with that, a man toward the back of the group said. Yeah, I don't think anyone should get close to whatever that is, said the nurse. Catherine, Rose said. Huh? He grunted. Her name's Catherine, Rose explained. I mean, I don't think there's much left of Catherine, lady, he said. Rose looked down the plane to Catherine, in her seat a little more than halfway down the plane, encased in black and brown and green. She wondered how much was really left of Catherine in there, now that the nurse had mentioned it. She couldn't see any breathing, and the hardened gunk pouring out of her mouth and nose had hardened around her face so she must have suffocated by now. The plane lurched. The crowd of people around Rose fell into each other. The ones that managed to remain upright helped the others back to their feet, and then they started to grab onto everything they could to weather the turbulence that didn't seem to let up. A few people took seats in the first few rows so they could have a seat belt, but Rose didn't. Despite her fears, she had a gut feeling and grabbed onto the wall to remain standing. Her eyes focused down the shaking plane to that single lonely soul in that single lonely seat and watched. Watched. And watched. Then, the turbulence knocked loose one of those bulbous growths on Catherine's chest. It tumbled down her body and hit the floor in the aisle of the plane, where, when it impacted, thousands of particles puffed up into the cabin air. Rose watched the weightless specks dance up, 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 catching the light from the windows. Then another bulb, and another, and another, fell off of Catherine and released their spores until the cabin was thick with dust and everyone was coughing. It didn't matter how much fabric Rose managed to press against her face. The onslaught was terrible, and the smell reached her nostrils. Acrid ammonia and sickening sweetness. There was calm for nearly thirty minutes. Passengers sat in a seat or leaned up against the walls or laid on the floor, all near the front of the plane, and were silent. The turbulence once again leveled out. Even the coughing eased as the particles Catherine had released either settled or were filtered out of the air by the plane's filtration system. 
It gave Rose a moment to concentrate on herself. She hadn't been nearly as afraid for the previous 30 minutes. Or it might be more accurate to say she was afraid, but of something else. The plane, the flight, the turbulence, that all paled in comparison to this new threat. Her lungs had been on fire since Catherine's dusting, and that burning was slowly working its way up her esophagus. She found herself clearing her throat, struggling against what felt like the worst heartburn she'd ever had. She glanced around the plane and noticed many other people doing the same, clearing their throats, rubbing their necks, loosening their ties. Rose found it was getting harder to breathe, too, like her lungs were getting squashed inside of her, like each breath had less room to fill than the last. Is anyone else really starting to feel lousy, she asked the other passengers. She saw a couple nods scattered through the small crowd. Yeah, it's weird, the nurse said, seated in the third row. It feels like heartburn. Yeah, me too, Rose said. But there's something else, the nurse continued. It feels like something's in there. He pointed to his chest and then put his palm flat against his rib cage. He compressed his ribs, trying to relieve some of the pressure, and then pressed down with his fingertips. In an instant, his fingers had plunged through his skin and cracked through his ribs. He looked down at his hand, now halfway inside of his own chest, and screamed before passing out. Rose gagged and then watched the same black and green ooze that poured from Catherine's mouth earlier gush out of the nurse's chest wound. Was this happening to all of them? Inside of their chests? Was this goo spreading and eating away at them until it burst out? Rose scanned the plane, where she saw another woman who had, much like Catherine, began silently pouring thick ooze from her mouth and nose. In both cases, the nurse and this woman, the goo poured and formed into thick tendrils and encased those two bodies and then began forming small spires with bulbous ends on their chests. Rose's heart rate quickened. She felt her face flush and her temperature rise. Was this to be how she went? Consumed from the inside by some... What even was this? She felt the plane tilt, the telltale sign of a descent. On any other flight, her anxiety would spike at this downward movement, but now her anxiety was already off the charts. Her legs became weak, and she slid down the wall to sit on the floor. Near her... Another man started retching, and soon, black and green and brown sludge poured from his mouth. How long did she have? How long before she was also expelling gunk and being encased by hardened tendrils? How long before she would release her own spores and infect another innocent bystander? She closed her eyes and concentrated on the feeling in her chest, 
a technique she had developed to combat her fear of flying. In her anxious episodes during takeoff or landing, or at any moment in between those two events, she would focus on that thing she couldn't control and attempt to surround it with positive energy, and so that's what she did here. She pictured that churning mass of brown and black and green forming in her lungs, and she surrounded it with positive thoughts. She heard the person next to her, lying on the floor, retch and cough, and she heard the splatter of gobs of muck hitting the floor around her. She tried to block it out. She tried to block everything out. All of that external stimuli. The roar of the engine, the shake of the plane, the dripping of all of that mucousy mold escaping from her fellow passengers. With her mind, Rose forced the invader inside her into a small ball, encased it with good energy, and held on for dear life. She just had to make it until the plane landed, and she'd get to a doctor and be all right. Rose's chest swelled. She could feel whatever was in there struggling against her ribcage, but she struggled back. The sound of the landing gear descending from the bottom of the plane cut through her focus. She was almost there, almost on the ground. The plane jostled as it hit the tarmac, reached the end of its journey. Rose could feel something squirming up her throat, like an oversized slug desperate to get out, but she held on, forced it back down into her torso. The plane came to a stop at the end of the runway, and the emergency crew was quick to crack open the doors of the plane. They each entered with hazmat suits and breathing apparatuses, and each paused as they took in the scene in front of them. Kate opened her eyes as one of the emergency crew rushed past her. She tried to sit up, but found herself held fast to the floor, by the substance that poured out of her mouth. This episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things was produced and edited by me, Justin Buskey. The story, Airborne, was written by me, too. You can follow me on Twitter, at Justin Buskey. Intro and outro music is by the prolific Eric Warnke. Check him out on SoundCloud. Special thanks to airplanes and airborne diseases. Death, Dying, and Other Things is a member of the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Check out all the other shows. They're great. New episodes the first Thursday of every month. This has been Death, Dying, and Other Things, and I've been your host, Justin Buskey. Stay out of the shadows.